Gospels, John chapter number 2. And uh, it's good to see you all this morning and get back in the swing of things in the new year. And of course, we've got uh, some folks are still grappling with sickness. Keep them in prayer. Keep them in mind. Um, you, you, you won't stay sick forever. Amen. Just keep that. And some of you guys are not convinced of that. You won't stay sick forever. All right. You will eventually get better. And uh, I'm glad that uh, those that are feeling up to it are here this morning. John chapter number two. And uh, going to continue a thought here that we started last week in regards to cleaning house. Um, and I can tell you that we, we, you know recently we uh, got done with the Christmas celebration. Now, everything at the Dominguez house right now is a little bit behind. Um, and you can understand why. Like, we got here at 10.03, all right? Uh, which I know in Latin America is pretty much on time for church, but, but uh, not here. And so, I, I, you know, I did what I had to do. I called Sean. I said, look, man, I'm rolling in. It's going to be like a drive-by roll out of the truck, get into church. So if you can help my wife get stuff in the church, I'd appreciate it. Brother Eric, can you start a couple minutes late? Just, got, you know, just kind of you know, do what you can to control the madness. But, um, you know, when you're up till 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever it is, and you wake up in the morning, you're like, what day is it, right? Oh, it's church. I got to preach, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, this morning my wife's like, honey, it's time. I'm like, no, no. Uh, but everything's a little bit behind right now, right on cue. Is she crying right now? There you go. Uh, but uh, everything's a little bit behind our house. But we recently, uh, you know, took all the Christmas stuff down. And, and again, one of the nuances of knowing anything about my household, uh, I'm a Christmas freak. So like every square inch of our house is covered in Christmas of some kind. And so cleaning up for Christmas, like it is, it's an ordeal. And, and we were late, you know, we didn't get it done until after the first year, which is kind of different for us too. And but man, getting all that done and all that cleaned up, man, it was it was a process. Um, and what I'll say is this: that um, oftentimes in life, in your body, being the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, a picture of your life and God trying to fill every area of your life, and that's really the purpose of the temple is to remind us that God is in fact with us. Uh, how much of God is with us, and how much of His fullness, I will say, I'll say it that way, uh, goes back to us. And, and what we're willing to do to make room for him. Uh, but, but I'll say this, you, you know, you ever driven by those houses? Now, I used to live down south. Now, don't, look, 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 don't, if you're from the south, don't get offended with me, all right? But I remember, I never, I, I never saw things like when I went there that I, I never saw. For example, in the south, uh, you drive certain places, like in Tennessee, they call them haulers. You're driving through a hauler. You guys know what that is? Anyone know what a hauler is? All right, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Raise your hand up here. I know you guys have no idea. A holler is a hollow. It is where it's, yeah, right? Right, okay. So it's where a hollow comes, like a valley almost, between, you know, two uh, uh, mountains, if you will, or two hills. And so people, you know, in their haulers, all right, they would, they would put their furniture out front, and they'd burn their furniture in the wintertime. Weird, man. I never saw that. Or you park your, you have like a, almost like a, uh, uh, a truck cemetery out in front, like, you know. I never saw that here either. Just different things that you're, I wasn't used to seeing. I remember some people had their Christmas lights up like in July. Like it just stayed up all year long. All right. Um, and, and look, we, we like to kind of, okay, it's Christmas is over. Let's clean up. Uh, man, it, it, is, it is a process. What I'll tell you is this. When you get used to having something in its place and then you got to move it, you got to, okay, what goes in that place? I think one of the biggest challenges when people first get saved and they first get right with God 
is, okay, I know the Lord needs to clean some things up here, but now that I've gotten that out of that place, what goes in that place? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? All right, and, and so uh, I, I hope to, to be able to help you a little bit with that this morning. I look at John chapter number 2, and look, if you would, at verse number 14. Uh, verse 13, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Now, that word sitting is kind of important because what that shows you is they got real comfortable doing something that they should not have been doing in the house of God. Uh, you might remember uh, Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor what? Sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So it's, it's walking, standing, sitting. And that, that says a lot about how we deal with relationships. There are people that you walk with, then there's people that you stand with, then there's people that you sit. That means you're comfortable when you sit down there. When it says that these people were sitting in the temple, that means they had basically set up shop there. They had put something in, in the place where God himself belongs. And let me say this. I'm going to say something that's kind of harsh, uh, and some of you may not agree, and that's okay. Uh, but I'll say it like this. I think when something sits in the place where God should be sitting, it's satanic. You think satanic is like, I don't know, the, the, you know, the weird uh, child slavery stuff that's going on, which it is, and all the weird stuff that's going on, that's all satanic. But you reserve satanic for like the darkness of the Illuminati and the dark evil things of this world. No, no, satanic goes on in your life too. When you put something in the place of God, it's satanic. Okay, I'll prove it to you. Hold, hold the hair. I can tell by someone looking at your face like, uh-oh, not me, preacher. <laughs> Look at Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. Um, you, you, need to, you need to be real careful that the things that should be for the Lord are for the Lord. Um, and, and you know what? You know what? Your body, your life is for, you've been bought by him. Uh, look at Second Thessalonians chapter number two. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number three. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Who is that? It's the Antichrist, the devil incarnate. If you said devil, that's still a good answer, all right? Uh, the, the man of sin be revealed, uh, comma, the son of perdition. And it shows you the two sides to the nature of the Antichrist. One is the human side and one is the satanic side, all right? And the man of sin, human, the son of perdition, satanic. Now, look what it says about what he does. Uh, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself. And exaltation is something that is lifted up. All right, when you exalt yourself, you are lifting yourself up. Can I ask you a question? What was the original sin of Lucifer? Pride. I will ascend. I will sit upon the, the, in the congregation upon the sides of the Lord. I will be like the Most High. I will, I will. He exalted himself. Uh, by the way, one of the things you ought to do as a believer is humble yourself, humble yourself and let God exalt you in due time. All right, now, now, now notice what happens. Look, if you would, at verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Now watch it. Here it is. Here's, the, here's what I'm talking about. So that he is God, sitteth in the what? Showing himself that he is God. When something takes the place of God, basically that thing becomes God. You understand what I'm saying? So what, what I'm telling you is, is that when something takes the place of God in your life, it is a satanic move. All right, look at Matthew chapter 16. Look at Matthew 16. I can tell I'm not, I, I don't, some of you, I'm, I'm kind of got you, and some of you are kind of like, I still don't know about that preacher. Um, I mean, if, if, I, if I love my family ahead of God, is that really satanic? Well, let's, let's go, let's go, okay, how about this? What's the first and great commandment? 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with it, right? That's the first. Now, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The problem is when you get those two things confused and you start putting people over God or your habits or your hobbies or your money, your career or your station in life or whatever it is, a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, it doesn't matter. Whatever that thing is that takes the place of where God should be. Uh, Look at Matthew 16. Look at Matthew 16. And I want you to notice uh, verse 21, from that time forth be, uh, began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him, almost like he took him aside. Now, what does it mean he took him? Now, you ever stop and think about what the Bible means by that? What does it mean that Peter took the Lord? It's almost like he grabbed him and kind of moved him aside from everybody and goes, hey, uh-uh, this ain't right. Uh, look what he says here in verse number uh, 22. Uh, he began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, and now if you know the context, you've been through it a couple times, you've heard it many times. The Lord's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to be crucified, all this stuff for your sins. And he's going through, if you compare all the Gospels, he's laying out what he's going to do for them and how he's going to suffer at the hand of sinners. Peter says, No way. Now, humanly speaking, wouldn't you say, like, doesn't that sound like someone's trying to defend the Lord? I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to, not on my watch. I won't let it happen. And the Lord's saying, yeah, but I just said it would happen. Yeah, well, I'm not going to let it happen. Well, who are you to overthrow what I just said? So, so what, now look, humanly, if I said they're coming to get me, man, they're after me, the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, the ATF, the, 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 the KGB, all the stuff, right? They just throw it all out there, and Joe's like, not on my watch. They'll have to put a bullet through me first. I'd be like, thank you, Joe, thank you. Yes, I'd love you to be my bullet stock. That'd be a blessing, amen. You step right in front. I wouldn't be like, stop it, Joe, but the Lord is different because th- this is the Lord's word, not man's word. Now watch what the Lord says in verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, what? Kind of harsh, don't you think? Don't you think maybe some of the reason for that is is that when something takes the place of what God is or, or who God is or what God said, it's satanic. Can I take you back to the Garden of Eden? Can I remind you that it was there that the woman engaged with the serpent and the first comment out of the, of the serpent's mouth was, yea, hath God said. It was a doubt. It was casting doubt in the word of God. You say, what is that? It's satanic. When you cast doubt on what God said, or you replace God's words, or you replace God himself and put something in that place. Listen, preachers are not exempt from this. I know, listen, there's a temptation for preachers to put ministry in the place of God. Do you realize that my ministering to the church is not the same as my walk with God personally? I could be busy serving and serving and serving and serving and have no fellowship with God, no prayer time, no Bible time. And you know what I'd be doing? I'd be putting that ministry in the place of God. You say, what is that? Satanic. You go, oh, no, preacher, that's ministry. You can put anything in the place of God and get yourself in a big mess. I'll never forget, in 1998, I called a preacher. I was debating whether I should go to Bible school or not. I didn't know anything that was going on in this preacher's life. I won't go into all the story. I'll just say this. He messed up big time, all right? And his name was never the same after he messed up. I called this guy, and I said, preacher, I'm going through this, trying to figure this out. You know what he said to me? He said, young man, he said, I won't go into everything that's going on in my life, but I'm going to tell you right now, never quit reading your Bible, never quit praying. The ministry is not more important than your walk with God. That's coming from someone that messed up big time. I'll take it. I'll, I'll listen to that advice. You know what he's saying? Don't replace God with anything. 
You know what oftentimes is uh, the devil's temptation in your life is, is to replace God's best with what is good. God says, this is what I want for your life. Yeah, but this is still good. Yeah, but that's not what I said. And you, when you do that, you are putting something in the place of God. You say, what is that? It's idolatry. So, so when we're talking about, aren't you glad you came this morning? Isn't it good? Nice, warm, fuzzy message to start off the, the new year. Uh, go, go to John chapter number two. What, I, what I'm trying to help you with is this. If people, Christians, get, get out in the left field and they go, how did I get here? Here's how you got here. By little choices and little decisions at a time to not clean house. And you allow things to take the place of God and you don't realize it. And, and the Lord's saying, I need to clean this up. Now, if the Lord were to come in there and he used force when he cleaned house, he went in there with a, a, a scourge, a whip, and chased them out of there. Here's a question. How come nobody fought back? They could have. There was fear. They were afraid. There's no doubt. You're not going to tell me somewhere in there there wasn't a, a, a man that, that maybe could have taken the Lord physically? Probably. I mean, think about this. They took him to the cross. They beat him. They did all that, didn't they? So, so you know what I see there? I see there that, hey, at least as messed up as these people are, they've got enough of a conscience to go, you know what? You're right. We shouldn't have been here. Do you have that kind of conscience? When the Lord is telling you, hey, we need to clean house. Or will you fight him? Amen, amen, amen. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 2 and look at verse number 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changer's money. You know, you know what he didn't do? I thought about this. I'm like, Lord, you could have used that money, couldn't you? He didn't pick it up. And he said, man, get it out of here. I don't want it. Now, I, 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 can, I can tell you there's a, there's a lot of lessons in this passage. And if you're paying attention, what you'll learn is that God is more interested in you than he is your stuff. I had a conversation with a young man yesterday about giving. And, you know, you get, listen, when you first, if you were raised in church, you understand the concept of giving. Not that you always want to do it, but you get it. It's like it's part of the fabric of what you do. And, and almost really one of the dangers once you've been raised in it is you don't even think about it. You don't see it as worship and you putting your heart in the plate, not just a check or money. All right, but I'll say this, when you first get saved, you get saved in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or, uh, and you've never done this your whole entire life, and you're learning this, this is a grace from the Word of God, you got lots of questions about how to make this stuff work. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And, and so I was talking to a young man yesterday, I said, look, uh, you, you, the thing is this, um, if you love something, you will give to it. You can give without loving. You want an example of that? It's almost tax season. I give a good portion of my income to the federal government, and I hate it. I hate every, every penny that goes to them. I, I'm, I could do a whole lot better. Let me keep that money. I could put it to charity or put it to feeding people. I would do a lot better with it than they do. I'm not trying to be critical. I know I am being critical, but the reality is this. I feel I could do a better job with this, so when I see that money go away, I'm not like, oh, praise God, I'm so glad this gets to go to some other third-world country instead of fixing the roads here, Right? And so, all that said, I, I give, but I don't love doing that, right? But you can't avoid loving something without giving to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to maybe pick on somebody. Don't raise, no, raise your hand. If you like video games and you're kind of into it, raise your hand. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm not going to come down on you, all right? I'm not going to tell you you're a terrible person, all right, or anything. I can tell somebody like, um, if I just roll my shoulders forward and kind of tell you I'm with you, but not all the way, I don't want to raise it. Look, it, here's a question. 
and don't, you don't have to raise your hand after this, but, but haven't you given hours to playing? Haven't you had to buy certain kinds of joy? I say joystick. I'm old, man. I don't even know. Controllers? Controllers? Is that the better word? Oh, come on, guys. Don't laugh at me. They bo- thank you, brother. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that, right? That's a blessing. I'm thinking Atari. I'm old, man. Listen, the last time I played a real, really played a game, it was up, down, right, left, select, start, A, and B, and that's it. You got like 50 buttons and Preston's like, I'm like, what are you doing? And you can't carry this thing from here to here, but you can do this? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can do that, Dad. I think you can do a lot if you can figure all that out, you know? But, but uh, you know, where was I even going with all of that? I have no... Oh, yeah, video games. Thank you. Um, so, so, you know, you, you'll buy certain controllers. You might even have to upgrade your memory. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I have no clue. But you're spending money on it. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't listen. People, I, I buy a subscription to watch NFL games after the fact. So don't ruin it for me and tell me who wins today, please. All right? Uh, but but I, I do. There's things you buy in life. They're not all evil. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. But, but here's the thing. If you love something, you give to it. You don't question it. You go, I enjoy that. I, I'm going to pay for that. Right? So when it comes to the spiritual life, when it comes to the Lord, when it comes to eternal value, right? Th- there should be some treasures that you're building. And you shouldn't, listen to me very carefully, you should not allow your temple to be cluttered. Because the more junk is in the way, I've you ever seen those shows about hoarders. You ever see that those things? You know, I, I, I can't watch it. I, the, the type A in me loses it after thirty seconds. I, 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 I don't know, man. I can't, I can't do it. But I, I've been around some people that kind of like to hoard, and I, it just kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. I like to know where everything's at and that everything has a place. Now, look, you may think I'm just being type A. Have you ever read Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus when God's describing the tabernacle and the temple? You know what you might come away with? You might come away with the idea that God is kind of type A. He is about the stuff that matters to him. The question is, does that same stuff matter to us? Uh, Notice what what happens here. Look, if you would, at verse 15. Uh, He drove out all the temple and the sheep and the oxen, poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. I don't want it here. I don't even want the money. Get it out of here. I mean, that's what he does. Get it all out. Uh, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. Uh, look at Second Peter chapter two. Keep your hand there. Go to Second Peter chapter two. One of the things you got to be careful for. Uh, now, if you're into politics, you might have heard the term the military-industrial complex. Who knows what I'm talking about? All right, uh, it, it, it's fine if you don't. Doesn't matter. I would say look out for the Christian uh, uh, merchandise complex today, right. between music and books and all the. Re- I'm not saying it's all bad, but you just Sometimes that stuff kind of takes the place of what really matters in church. Uh, look at Second Peter chapter 2, and uh, look what it says here. About, uh, look at verse 1, and, and, and notice he mentions false prophets and false teachers in verse 1. Do you see that? All right. Uh, notice he calls your ways pernicious ways in verse 2. And then look at verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, fancy words to make you feel good, make merchandise of what? Uh, now, I heard an old preacher say this. When, when someone's buttering you up real good, just watch out. They're about to fry you. Um, and the modern Christian movement, I, I don't, I'm not saying this like to beat our chest or say anything like we're the best or anything like that. 
But the average church today, if I were to talk the way I've talked today, people wouldn't come back. Why is that? Well, the reason that is is because they've made the house of God a, a place of merchandise. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not against church merch. You got want to buy a hat or a sweater with the church. name, that's fine. But when you get to the place where you're scared to say things because you don't want the offerings to go down, you got a problem. Uh, I talked to some preachers recently about our building situation. You know what they said? That a number of them all said the same thing. Different outlooks. And, you know, some preachers and some people have a higher risk tolerance than others. Um, and and I, I tend to be a little bit more of a risk taker. I, that's just my nature. Um, but but I'll, I'll say this much. The one common thread all of them have given is don't, don't ever get in over your head to the point where you're going to be afraid to say the truth because you're afraid about people not giving. That's sound advice. Um, and, and so what basically you have here is people are making merchandise in the house of God. He said, you put you made my house a place of merchandise and he made it a den of thieves. That's what he calls it in, in, in another passage over in Matthew. And, and he said, look, my house should be called a house of prayer. This is what it's supposed to be. But you turn it into something else. Now, when we look at church, it's kind of easier on a corporate level to look at the body of Christ and notice the churches that are making it a house of merchandise versus a house of prayer. And that's easy to point out. Here's what's harder to point out when you do it in your personal life. When you take God's temple and you sell out to other interests versus what God is interested in. You see, God wants to be able to go through there and go, okay, how about this room? How about this room? How about this room? How about? Listen, I tell our kids, hey, clean up. And they go, okay, it's clean. And you know what I say after that? Okay, I'm going to come check. Oh, 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 let me, let me, let me. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Raise your, can I get a witness? Amen. All right. So you know what the Lord does? He does the same thing. I want a clean house. Oh, Lord, it's clean. All right, I'm going to check. Oh, hey, 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 how about this? I'm going to stuff everything that you shouldn't look at in this one room. Let's lock that one up and just leave that one alone. I mean, my parents don't need to know about the third and fourth Instagram account I have, right? I mean, that, these are things, just secret stuff. I don't, Lord, you, you know what's there. I mean, uh, but just, just leave it alone for now. We'll take care of it later. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, if my kid tries to keep me out of a room and like, <laughs> I pay the mortgage here. You don't have your personal privacy right. I don't know where you got this idea from. Like, where'd you get that from? Seriously, biblically, where'd you get that from? It ain't in the Bible. When so- oh my goodness, we're going to hit on that for a while. <laughs> Parents, until they move out, I'm not trying to be like, you know, weird, like they're changing and they're getting dressed. This is my house. Give them some, give them some room there, okay? I get it. But I'm talking about like, like, no, you don't need to come in my room right now. I'm on the phone with my friend. Oh, really? You can talk with him upstairs. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do it in my room. Why? Am I making anyone a little uncomfortable yet? I'm trying to help you. Parents, let me say this. If you do that, shame on you. That's your fault. Amen, amen, and amen. You don't amen, amen me, I'll amen myself. I'll tell you why, because that kid's going to grow up thinking that I can do what I want because this is my space. You didn't earn that space. You were born into that. Parents, are you with me on this? When you got saved, you did not earn this space. You were born into it. He's paying the bill. So what that means is when the Lord wants to go through the doors of your house, you ought to say, Lord, walk through. Well, we need to get rid of this. Okay, Lord. Can I throw this away? Uh, 
Uh, we do this with our kids. When they get new toys, we go, okay, you got this many toys. We got to get rid of it. We can't keep everything. Oh, oh, I don't know. I'm like, have you played with that in the last? Oh, uh, no. Let's get rid of it. But I don't know. Listen, the Lord goes to the rooms of our house and he goes, hey, I want to get rid of that. But I might need that later. The Lord goes, you, have, you don't need this at all. You see, the Lord's trying to show us some things, I think, in John chapter 2 that are very applicable to our lives today. It might be very easy to point out churches that make everything about the money, and that's a good, easy target. But what about us personally? Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, now notice what happens here. I want you to notice the Lord's focus in verse 14. The Bible says that he found. You know what that means? In verse 14, where the Lord finds something, John chapter 2, it means that, that it shows you the Lord's focus. He's looking for something. You know, when the Lord comes to his temple, he ought to be able, he's looking for something. The question is, what is he going to find? Now, look, if you would, at verse 15, it shows you the Lord's authority. He didn't ask anybody. He didn't go, hey, how do you feel about this? I'm, gonna, I'm about to throw the tables over. Are you guys okay with that? How do you feel about it? Let's take a vote. Who's going to be with me? I mean, he didn't do that. He just said, okay, this is what needs to be done. I'm going to clean house. Uh, look at verse number 16. He calls it my father's house. You know what that shows us? His deity. When he talked about himself being God's son, he was making himself equal with God. We learn that from all the passages in John where the Jews seek to stone him when he says that he is the son of God. All right. Uh, Look, if you would, at Psalm chapter 69, Psalm chapter 69, because in verse 17, as you turn to Psalm 69, in verse 17, it says his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Let me ask you a question. What's eaten you up? What gets your attention? What gets you all riled up? What gets you upset? What gets you laughing? What gets you moving? You know what, get, you know what gets the Lord moving? Uh, things of eternal value. You know what gets the Lord moving? What, what is going on in your temple? That gets the Lord moving. That gets the Lord upset. It gets him excited. It gets him happy. Look at Psalm 69. And look, if you would, at verse number 9. This is a reference. When you read in verse 17 that the disciples remember that it was written, they're remembering a psalm. Psalm 69, verse 9, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. This is a prophetic reference to Jesus Christ's ministry. All right? And the Lord, it's so interesting because this is what the Lord does at the beginning of his ministry, and he does it again at the end of his ministry. Now, I've got some, um, some up-close and personal friends here. I'll try not to crowd you out too bad, guys. Uh, but uh, you may remember we talked about this a little bit last week. And what you have in the Gospel of John is you've got uh, four Passovers that are mentioned, all right? And the reason for that is, is that the ministry of Jesus Christ is three and a half years. And we went through that as well and talked about how that's a, uh, a, a something that relates to the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist tries to mimic uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. So you got, you got a number of Passovers, and what you have is you've got this one right here in John 2, and then you've got this one over here in Matthew 21, all right? And so basically you have a first cleansing of the temple, all right? And then a couple years later he comes back and he's got the same problem. You know what that shows me? From a practical Christian standpoint, you've got to do this every single day. You can't wait, you know, uh, you can't wait until Sunday to get it right with God. You can't wait until Wednesday. You can't wait, you can't wait until whatever. You need to get it done daily. All right, Paul says, I die daily. In other words, I am dying to myself every single day because if I don't do that, then I get into trouble. I allow things to creep in and take place, the, the place of where God should be in my life. All right, so you have the first cleansing, you have the second cleansing. You say, what's it a picture of? 
Well, it's a picture of this, all right? It's a picture of his first coming, and it's a picture of his second coming, all right? And uh, matter of fact, go to Matthew chapter number 21. Go to Matthew 21. And don't forget through all of this that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, there's a great picture there. Matthew chapter number 21. All right, and uh, notice that you're going to read in Matthew 21 very similarly to what you read in John chapter number 2, Matthew 21, and uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God. Now, that, that's really, uh, you, again, when you're reading your Bible, you've got to pay attention to words. He says the temple of God. Well, everyone knows it's God's temple. Why does he have to take the extra measure of putting the prepositional phrase of God in there? I think he's trying to accentuate something for us to remind us this is God's house. This is God's house. And, and listen, when it comes to church, I, I know, look, I've, I've talked to the uber New Testament people that are like, this ain't the house of God, your body's the house of God. Yeah, except for that passage over there in Timothy where he talks about the local church and he references it being the house of God. All right, so I'm, I know we're not in the Old Testament where God just shows up at church. He can show up in your kitchen and you, in your Bible reading and all that stuff. I, now, I don't mean like a 40-foot Jesus showing up at the foot of your bed or anything weird like that. I mean like spiritually speaking, the Lord can show up in every area of your life, and that's all good and fine. However, there's something special about the place where people gather to worship God. I'm sorry, it just is that way. I am not the Old Testament guy that goes, you can only meet with God at church. We get that's not how it is. I'm also not the guy, because I think both of these are out of balance. I'm also not the guy that goes, oh, it's New Testament. doesn't matter. Man, I, w- I was at a church. True story. I'm not making this up. I was at a church in Pennsylvania where they had a goat running up and down the aisle. The guy was in bib overalls. He thought it was kind of cool just to be like not non-orthodox. You know, we're not going to wear, you know, you know, dress up. We're not going to do that kind of stuff because, you know, we're New Testament. It doesn't matter how you come. In. Like, okay, but you're, you're, it's almost like you're trying too hard to prove that. When you got a goat running up and down the aisle, you're trying too hard. All right? <laughs> and, and furthermore, you're kind of making a joke and a mockery out of what we should be doing here. Yeah. The, God likes things done decently and in order. That's why he cleaned out his house. Now, I, I recognize, again, this isn't the only place. But this should be special. You know what that means? You got a poopy attitude. I got to clean that up. Poopy attitude. Do you know what you got to do before you come inside? Get it right with God. So that you're, look, when I hold my baby, I love her. She's beautiful. I mean, she just, she's perfect, angelic. I mean, perfect angel baby, you know, sugar pie, honey bun, whatever. I'm holding her and I hear this. (laughs) Is that too uncouth for some of you? All right. And then, and, then, and then, like, right now, it's just, like, sweet mustardy looking stuff, you know, with little, is that too much? Seeds in it, all right? All right, and so it's, you know, it isn't like, it's not like holding Lenny and he has to go or something. That'd be <laughs> a completely different story, okay? But still, but still, after I've held her and my hand's been there for 10 minutes with her having a diaper on and clothes and a blanket, my hand starts to stink. When you come into church with your poopy attitude, do you realize it gets on other people? God should be, this should be clean. This should be clean. Uh, and look, I, I, I want to be addressing some things with the teens uh, Wednesday night. I want to invite you parents to come to that just to teach them some things. Look, the world has not afforded them the opportunity to learn some things that are just biblically sound as far as relationships are concerned. And I want to help out with that. All right. But when you come to church, don't be all over each other if you're dating or whatever. 
this is a special place. Now, first, you shouldn't be all over each other anyways. Okay, that's another message for another time. But this ought to be special. You understand what I'm saying? This ought to be clean. Well, can I say this? That's you as well. You should be clean. You should be clean. The Lord does this. Look at this. Matthew 21, verse number 12. Jesus went in the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind... Now look at what happens immediately after he cleans house. Look at verse 14. Do you notice that God, God is able to do some supernatural things once he cleans house? Did you notice he didn't clean anything up? He didn't heal anybody until it was clean? You want God to work in your life? You need to clean some things up. Uh, brother, if you can go to the next slide for me. Go, let's go to the Old Testament. Let me show you something. Uh, look at 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings chapter 11. I prayed all night. I say all night. I mean, uh, when the baby woke me up and, you know, not just me, my wife as well. I say me. She's the one actually doing all the hard work. But, um, you know, when the baby wakes up and all that good stuff, uh, and you try to get the baby back to sleep, you know, I, I'm, I'm convinced the Lord has given me this season of life to get a good prayer life going again. And I've been praying about a lot of things. And one of the things that I prayed about last night is, God, if I'm half out of it in the morning, can you please make sure some of this comes out and makes sense for your people? Um, so I'm praying that this does. <laughs> Second uh, Kings chapter eleven, and um, uh, let, let me let me tell you that, that why you know yes, so why did Jesus cleanse the temple? Well, he's going to do it again at the end of the great tribulation. He comes back to set up his kingdom. Why, why does he do all that? Because that's the place where God Himself belongs, and and God wants to work in your life, but only when things are in the right place. And you're going to notice that whenever you put God in His right place, things work differently than they do when you're in charge. And, and what you learn from the Old Testament is, and there's all these pictures in the Old Testament, the temple, the condition of the temple was a great picture of the spiritual well-being of the nation. Now, I, I'm not picking on other churches, and I, don't, I know we're not a perfect church, and, uh, but we've done what we could to take care of the little space that God's given us, and I look forward to doing whatever God gives us in the future, taking care of that. I remember going to some churches on deputation where the leak, you know, there's a roof leaking, and, you know, uh, it smells like mold and no one's taking out the trash. And, and, the, and then the guy gets up and he goes, people just don't want to hear the word of God anymore. I said, no, that's not it. They don't want to come to a dirty church. Right. Amen. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some, you know, there, you have some common sense about this stuff. The Lord likes to have things clean and in order and, and in, in the place that he set them up. Why does he go through all the trouble in Exodus of saying it's made of shatim wood, and it's made of fir wood, and this scarlet covering, and this blue covering, and the tapestry of this, and the goat skin here, and five by five cubits, and this many feet, and that many feet. Why does God do all that? Because the Lord likes things done a certain way, decently and in order. And in our lives, it should be the same way. Our lives should reflect the master, the creator, your savior, the one that bought you and says, this is my house. Your life should reflect him. It shouldn't just reflect you. God uses our personalities absolutely. God did not make us robots absolutely. He made us individuals to follow him and worship him. I will not take away from that, but I'll also say this. Your personality does not trump God's character in your life. That temple, your temple should be a reflection of his glory. 
Now, now, let me say this. You know what the, the Queen of Sheba did when she came and saw the temple and the servants and everything that she saw coming from a far country? She comes in there and she goes, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Your God must be real to you. The, her breath was taken away. She was like, whoa. There was no more spirit in her is what the Bible says. It's almost like she went, oh, whoa. Would the God people in the world would look at our lives that way as a reflection of God's glory. Now, when the nation of Israel was not right with God, do you know what always took a hit? What always took a hit was the temple. It was always in ruins. It was never where it should be. Look at 2 Kings chapter 11 and uh, look, if you would, at verse number one. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose, this is a great mom here, good night, man, who wants a mom like this woman? She arose and destroyed all the seed royal. <laughs> she wiped them all out. But there was one that was rescued, Look at, but, but Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so he was not slain. Now, where is he hid? Look at this. Look at verse 3. And he was with her hid in the house of the Lord. How many years? How does someone hide in the house of God for six years? With no one knowing that they're there. You know what the answer is? They're not going. Do you know why? Do you, know, you, you see the picture here? It, the, the temple of God became a secondary place to the people of God. They didn't care anymore about that. And so now you've got an opportunity to hide someone. Look, if, if I was hiding someone like at our church for six years and no one noticed them, I would question if you guys are here. <laughs> they hid this guy, this kid, for six years in the house of God. You know what that means? They weren't going. The temple was just in ruins. You know what? You don't want that in your life. That's not how it should be. All right, look, if you would, at Second Kings chapter number 22, when, uh, when a good king goes and and realizes, hey, we've fallen away from God. King Josiah is his name. You know, one of the things that he does, he sends the people back into the temple to clean it up and to restore the temple. And you know what happens when they do that? Look at verse number, uh, not for sake of time, won't read all of it, but look at verse number eight. And Hilkiah the high priest said in the shape and the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the what? I love it when someone goes, I can just read my Bible at home. You can't. But let me ask you a question. Do you get the same thing? And do you give as much intense attention to it when you're by yourself at home versus when you are forced to sit still and turn your phone off and listen at church? There's something special about it. Now, now what? I'm not taking away from your Bible reading at home. I'm not saying it's not important. Don't take that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying this, that when they went in there to clean out the house of God, you know what they discovered again? They discovered the word of God. You know, when, when things get cleaned up, you start noticing things that weren't there before. I, I've gone through and, you know, cleaning stuff. I'll tell you, the worst thing in the world, when you have kids, I, I just, I told my wife on the way to church, I've resigned. Nothing will be like as clean as I want it until the kids are grown and gone. And I'm okay with that because I'd rather have kids than a clean house. I'm serious. I mean it. Anyways. Amen. Yeah, yeah. 
I, 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 all joking aside, I, I do love my children more than I do a clean house. However, all right, the, the reality is I get in my car this morning and I'm, I'm going in the glove box or the little armrest thing and there's like these, these speaker things that, that you can put on whenever you're watching a movie with the TV screen thing down in the car, you know. I mean, it's a real hard life, you know. We don't have this, the, you know, we have to have the headphones on to watch the movie or whatever. I get all that. But it was funny because I go in there, my wife pulls it out, and it's been chewed and mangled up by some creature. <laughs> Anyone want to confess? I, no? Oh, no? Oh, okay, all right. I didn't think you chewed it up. I just figured a dog did or something, and no one said anything. Uh, anyways, whenever you go in there and you go, this is not how I left this. And literally, here's my thought. I don't even mind that it happened. Why didn't someone tell me? You know what I think the Lord wants to hear from you every once in a while? Lord, you know this, but here's where things are at. And when you start doing that, you start noticing the word of God again like you didn't before. Look at 2 Kings 23. Look, if you would, at verse number 5. You know what happens as Josiah continues to clean the temple? Uh, look at verse 4. I'm sorry, look at verse 4. Uh, and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for who? Baal. Baal. Why, now, why were they there? You know what they figured? Well, this temple is just like any other temple. Might as well use it for Baal. No, this is God's temple. You know, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again. When you don't clean house regularly, stuff just starts showing up there. And you start putting stuff in places it doesn't belong. I, I'll, even, I'll just tell you right now. Um, yesterday, I, I don't listen to bad music. But I've gone a, a while without really just making it a focus to, to make an effort to have good music going in the house all the time. And, and last night, it just kind of hit me. And I started playing some music. And boy, the spirit just changes. It's awesome to watch. Now, now I, I, and I think it was Ariana that helped me is the Isaacs or the Rochesters, one of those groups I was listening to. Really good music just pouring through the house, all right? And, and it just does something. Now, let me tell you something. If you don't fill your life with something musically, some, if you don't fill it with the right stuff, something else is going to take its place. And that's just one example. That goes for your friends, your relationships, your ideas, your hobbies, your passions. Uh, the, the point is this. Y- you better not take this for granted. Look what uh, Josiah does. They take these things and they, you know what they do with them? They burn them. They don't give them to someone else. They say, this doesn't belong in anyone's house. This is garbage. We need to get rid of this. Now you say, what's that a great picture of? Well, over there, and I'm not going to draw because I can't draw. I'm, uh, me and Tim got about the same artistic skills. Um, but uh, here, here's what I can tell you. At the Gem Seer Christ, you say, what is this? Well, it could be a crown. It could be a frog. It could be, <laughs> we're, we're going to call this a fire. Don't make fun of me and don't judge me, all right? It's a fire, all right? And, and you, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that uh, the fire shall try every man's what? Work of what sort it is. I'll say it like this. You got an opportunity right now in 2023 to clean house and get rid of some stuff, and burn it spiritually so that when you get there, everything that you've been doing doesn't just burn up. Because you're either going to have, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 also discusses it. All right? 
uh, and it's not a, a, a subject that Paul avoids. You read it over and over and over. Second Timothy 4, he talks about those rewards again. But basically what you got is you got an opportunity to have wood, hay, and stubble. All right, and if you don't know what stubble is and you'd like to learn, I could use some help moving some big piles of hay at my house. And whenever you do that, stuff that falls on the ground is the stubble. And usually what happens is it gets mixed in with the dirt and it doesn't get fed to anything. It just kind of dissipates and disappears. Um, it's good for nothing. Right. All right. Then you've got gold, silver, and precious stones. Well, you know what? Uh, Josiah didn't know anything about the judgment seat of Christ, and he's not going to be a part of that. His judgment is different. However, Josiah had enough sense to know that there's some things that I can get rid of right now that I should purge, and I will. And that way, if I can purge these things and get rid of them, do you realize they had held on since Moses' time? Listen, this is an interesting fact. Since Moses' time, hundreds of years before where Josiah's at, you know what they had held on to for, for generations? Remember that serpent, that brass serpent that they had put up? Uh, do you know what they call it? Nehushtan. Now, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, Miss Cindy. I remember this from being a teenager at Gideon Baptist Church. I remember your husband preaching a message because the word Nehushtan, you know what it means? It means a piece of brass. But you know what they did with that piece of brass? They worshipped it as if it was God. You know what you can do in your life if you're not careful? You'll hold on to things and worship those things as if they were God, accounting your, your blessings to those things rather than God himself. And they had held on to that stinking, stupid piece of brass for generations as if it was some. And it wasn't until Josiah that they said, you know what? It's time to get rid of all this junk that we've been, all this weight that's holding us down. And, and it's time to clean house so we can go on and do what God wants us to do. If you want to have a good year for the Lord, you know what you might want to consider? Allow the Lord to clean house. And, 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 and I don't have time to go through all the verses, but I'll just say this much about it. All right, uh, brother, if you go to the next slide, we'll just close with this thought. As they went through the temple, do you know where they start? They start in the innermost parts, and they work their way out. If you read all the passages, that's where they start. They go as deep in as you can go, clean that out, and work their way out. You know that's a great picture of? God doesn't just care about this. God cares about this and this a whole lot more. And if he can get in there and get in there and start cleaning that up, he can clean everything on the outside, on the way out, on the way out as well. Now, we'll, we'll close with this thought. The Lord, go to John chapter 2, and we'll close here. John chapter 2, I appreciate your patience with us starting late and ending a little bit late. John chapter 2, uh, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 18. Then answered the Jews and said to him, What sign showest thou unto us? seeing that thou doest these things. We'll talk about signs again next week a little bit. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, one thing you'll find out all through the, the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John. Uh, here's a good example. In John 6, he talks about the bread of life. And if you eat my flesh and drink my blood and all that stuff, you know what they got all messed up on? They were thinking physically. He was talking spiritually. Oftentimes, the Lord will say things, and they'll take it physical when he's talking spiritual. And here's a great example. Look at verse 20. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his what? Now, so next week, we're going to look at a little bit more uh, in detail how God refers to his body as, as a human being when he came as a human. God manifests in the flesh as his temple. We'll also talk about some of the other things that God calls our body as well. So let's go ahead and close 
uh, right there. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer. And uh, we'll take a 10-minute break, start a little bit late since we ended here a little bit late. Uh, shake some hands, say hello, greet one another. Wish each other a Happy New Year if you haven't seen each other in a little bit. Uh, and uh, enjoy your fellowship. Uh, Brother Joe, it's good to have you back if you would close us out.